0: That's it for episode five of seventy six. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <Nailed
2: it. laughs> Hello and welcome to episode five of seventy six small rooms, a podcast about architecture from Aotearoa, New Zealand. I'm Jeremy Hanson. I'm here with Arch. Hello. Tash. Hi there. And Matt. Hi. Now, if there's been a common thread in our first four episodes, it's been an interest in what makes a good building. How do we judge architecture and how do we balance the opinions of many people looking at the same building? In our first episode, we talked to Richard Naish about his award-winning house, and we looked at what the public had to say. Some people loved it and some people hated it.
1: In this episode, we go behind the scenes and talk to the jury to try and understand how they balance their views and come to a consensus on what are the best buildings of the year. We talk to the New Zealand Institute of Architects National Jury, which this year comprised of convener and Auckland architect Pete Bosley, Sharon Jensen from Wellington, Jeremy Smith from Nelson, and Damian Eckersley from Brisbane. We talked to them about the process they went through and what makes an
3: award-winning building. First, though, we talked to John Walsh of the NZIA about the juries he's seen in action, why the NZIA runs awards, and why some changes have been made to them this year.
4: Uh, The Institute has had awards for probably a century, um, in some guise or other, and I suppose the um, the motive has been twofold. There's been, a, I guess, an inward-looking or professionally-focused aspect to the awards in that it's a benchmarking exercise for architects. It's, uh, it, the awards exist to recognise excellence, to give architects, I suppose, something to aspire to, the recognition and respect of their peers. But it also has a public-facing aspect that it's telling the world or telling the New Zealand public what the institute, what professional architects think is good architecture at a point in time. And it is, in that respect, it has an educational as well as perhaps a celebratory uh, aspect to its existence. It's telling people that we think these buildings or these projects are successful, they're good exemplars of what architects do um, at a a period in time. As far as the changes that have been made recently, they're not that um, profound. Um, We've changed the alignment of the awards to bring the local and national awards, there are two levels of the awards, into the same calendar year, so the local awards occur earlier in the year and out of those awards come the candidates for consideration for the national awards which are announced uh, at the end of October. So it's all done within one year, previously for I don't know, complex reasons. We had local awards in one year, then those awards fed into the national level and they weren't announced till the year after, so it was a bit confusing having them in different chronological Mm. uh, Mm. timeframes. This year we've introduced uh, an intermediate layer, uh, named awards, three named awards in several categories, and they're named for significant figures in New Zealand architecture. So, for example, there's public architecture. That named award is named for John Scott. The commercial architecture category is named for Sir Miles Warren, and the housing category, which is also new, is named for Syrian Athfield. So those buildings or projects in those categories, the best of those categories get uh, that named award.
0: Right. So sort of recognising the best in those fields rather than just a single...
4: Um... That's right. We, th- we thought you know that uh, it was good to have another tier in the awards. And it also serves another function of, you know, recognising some significant figures in New Zealand's architectural history, Mm. of course. One of them's still around. But, you know, these are important figures that we as a profession should acknowledge and, you know, promote. And you talked
1: about how... You know, from a benchmarking point of view, they say something about what we in New Zealand, our cities and our nation think is good architecture and what we're recognising. Over the time you've been involved, are there any particular areas or capabilities you've seen big change in?
4: I think the awards programme as it's presently constituted, which is about a decade ago that it was sort of revamped. And I think what it was, one of the motives for looking at it again was that and the awards uh, predominantly I think in the past rewarded residential architecture and that is the traditional strength of New Zealand architecture mm-hmm. you know we we do a lot of good houses you know and you know New Zealand architects right around the country are, most of them are working some aspect of residential architecture whether they're doing additions in the provinces or you know multi-million houses in Remiwera so that is a strength of New Zealand architecture where I think the institute, and I wasn't around then, wanted to uh, wanted to encourage uh, endeavour in other fields. Big buildings, commercial buildings, institutional buildings, public Scale architecture. Scale, complexity. Yeah, other, they wanted yep. to recognise that, that they are complex projects and that there are a lot of things that play in those projects. There's politics, there's culture, there's business, you know, um, grown-up things mm. to deal with. It's not just an individual client on a plot of land in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. So there was a, a, a conscious effort, I think, by going to these various categories of awards to make sure that in any year juries looked hard at those other types of buildings and they got some recognition. It was probably it's probably easy and there's a lot of vehicles for recognising residential architecture in New Zealand. I mean, the publishing companies focus on residential mm-hmm. architecture. The magazines want homes and houses. It's harder to get them interested in schools. Mm. So that's... That was part of that. Really. And do you
3: think that that has helped um, uh, New Zealand architects working in those fields by raising the public consciousness of, of um, the value of architects working on those buildings? Well,
4: I think so. I mean, I think generally the, the recognition in New Zealand cities especially has developed of architecture. I mean, you take take something like Auckland. I mean, Auckland uh, a decade ago was pretty dire in lots mm-hmm. of ways. But I think there's a much more informed appreciation of larger-scale work now in urban design and public places. Um so I think that's part of that. Um, I think there remains a problem of big buildings in New Zealand architecture in that there is a bit of a ceiling and I think mm-hmm. some architects feel that, that a lot of the buildings, you significant buildings around Auckland that have been awarded recently have had some um, overseas mm-hmm. input into mm-hmm. and a lot of big projects are going to, we've got the road here, to one of Warren and Marnie's projects done in association with an Australian practice. Yep. Another big practice, another big project, just down the waterfront here, mm. award winner from last year, done with an Australian practice, the mm. art gallery done yes. by Australian practice with some local assistance. So I think there's that aspect of that. You know, how do how do New Zealand architects progress from doing very good houses to getting a shot at very good big buildings mm. Mm.
3: And in, I, their, I, in their own country? Yes, and I guess that's. Um, Perhaps uh, you know something that might happen as we mature as a as a nation, hopefully, mm. and and um, perhaps uh, have more confidence in well, what our kids can things, do.
4: Well, some of these things are out of our control. I mean, some mm. of the economic decisions are not made That's in this true. country.
0: That's true. So the the juries play a obviously critical role in the selection of these award winners, and so the makeup of those, and I guess the briefing of those. Um, juries must be important. So, how how does a jury come together, and what direction are they given?
4: Well, the, as I said, there are jury there are, there are awards at a local or branch level throughout the country, and at a national level. And uh, the at the local level, it perhaps is a bit more relaxed. But the local level, there's a convener who is appointed by the branch, and that person has to assemble a jury. That person, that convener, has to be an award-winning person himself has to or herself has to have won or yeah, achieve some recognition within the profession won a significant award and even at the local level there's an attempt to combat chauvinism by introducing an architect from outside the region there's also an ability to include a lay juror uh, at the local level someone who is known or interested in architecture or moves in those circles but you know they might be from art or business or whatever but have some other interesting perspective to bring to it at both the local and the national level everything that's that is considered for an award is visited, which I think is a strength of this award program. There's a shortlisting project um, process, obviously where people look at the submissions and they look at the texts and the images and plans that have been submitted, then they make a decision about what they'll shortlist. But I've, the next step is that everything is visited, even at the local level. So it is quite a significant investment of time and money, time by the jurors, money by the institute, in doing that. And that continues at the national level. At the national level, the criteria for jury membership are significantly different and higher. Standards are higher, so the people on the jury are the New Zealand architects on the jury are winners of New Zealand awards, or you know have been associated with projects that have won New Zealand awards. And there is an Australian jury brought into the jury to add some outside
1: perspective on things. Um, The time spent standing in or around the building is only a small proportion of the time that jury spent together, so there must be some really, like you say, some really robust and in-depth discussion through days and probably nights, Mm,
4: Um, you're mulling over and assessing and comparing to reach those types of decisions. Certainly at the national level, and I think even to some extent at the local level, it's quite an intense experience. If people sign up for the national jury, it's usually a week and a half. So there's usually Mm -hmm. something in the Bay of Islands and there's usually something in Dunedin or Central, and there's a trip between. And from breakfast till dinner, they're all together, they're in a van, you know, being shipped around the place. Mm -hmm. And as you say, you know, you might be uh, somewhere for an hour, you might be looking at a project, then you travel for another hour or two to, to get to the next one. And I found that pretty much the discussion is about the buildings mm. you know people return to it and they sort of gnaw at it like a dog with a bone and it comes up at lunchtime and it comes up at dinner yeah so they're living it and i mean it is a bit of a bubble you're in that sort of bubble for a week and a half mm. so i think things generally do get thrashed out pretty well and i think everything in my experience everything gets a fair shake everything gets discussed and part of the function of someone like me being on the jury is to <coughs> Ensure that things do get discussed and that things are noted. Mm. So every day we sort of sit down and say, "Well, let's look at this. What do you think of this?" And then later you can return to it, so it's not lost in the you know lost in the mist yep. of time. Yep. To, well, what do we think of that building? Well, this is what you said. You know? mm. So I think everything does get considered. Um, it's an interesting process. I mean, any group uh, you know traveling around together for a week and a half assumes its own dynamic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a kind of really um, nerdy road trip movie. It is, and, yeah, it is. and architects seem to like being on it because all they're going around looking at other people's buildings. Yeah, yeah oh, of yeah, course. <laughs> and just like a immerse, and immerse shop talk. Absolutely. Which might be a nightmare for some
1: people, but for other people, you know, really enjoyable. <laughs> in your time, have you seen sort of great unanimity in the group or have you seen sometimes it's taken a really long time and you get a 12 angry
4: men scenario? Has that been different over different juries? Um, I think that... I think everything is thoroughly thrashed out. So by the end, by the last meal, when everyone seems to sit down and discuss, discover, discuss everything for the last time, um, I think there's a kind of unanimity or consensus. Or there's a consensus probably mm-hmm. emerges. I think there are definitely different views of buildings, mm-hmm. and you know, I suppose it's things go up and down the list as the trip progresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's all relative. Something you see
1: will inform what you've previously seen. That's right.
4: It's like an any judging process, isn't it? You have this this sort of like the the absolute standard that you're going with, and then you have the relative standard that's sort of working at the same time. So you have these ideas of what what you think a good building should be, and, oh, that's a good building. Then it's like, oh, is it as good as that building that we've just seen? So, you know, given the fact that you can't award everything, I presume that's the case, and... um, and in fact, jury, juries are sort of encouraged not to award everything. and in, in each category there is a sort of a guideline that three is the maximum awards that should be given in a category like the commercial category or the public category. Residential, it's a bit more relaxed just through the sheer volume of projects that come through on the residential side and their relative quality.
3: How important is that international judge in terms of um, their input to the, the um, jury process?
4: Well, I think the international judge, and really we're talking about an Australian jury. Yeah.
3: is it always Australian? It, it, it yeah. is. Yeah, right. I mean,
4: I don't know if it necessarily has to be, but it has been yeah. that way. I think since the, well, since I've known about it for the last decade or so, I mean, I think there is an advantage of Australian jury. They're remote enough to be to be outside the sort of like the Picayune concerns of this place, but they're familiar enough so that we don't have to, you know, you don't have to educate them thoroughly about this place or fill them, and they kind of get it. Mm. It's different enough. But it's same enough, you know, and they're often coming from a bigger environment, these mm. Australian jurors. They're in bigger practices working in, you know, Melbourne or Sydney. So there's that sense of scale and perhaps sometimes sophistication. I mean, they're just dealing in with bigger things sometimes. Mm. And the Australians we've had have always been, you know, they've been very interested, they've been very engaged, very articulate and, you know, pretty smart people. So I think... And also, you know, you can definitely say they're, not, they're they're not caught up in any local agendas. I mean, they don't they don't know, you know, the history of Warren and Marnie or Jasmax or Architectus, mm. or, you know, and how those firms might relate or how could they might compete or who's won what one year and who mm. doesn't. You know, they, it's nothing to them. Mm. So, there you do need someone like that. And the Australians have been good because they've always been, you know, you've had people like John Wardle and Camilla Block and Rachel Neeson. I mean, they're not. Shrinking violets. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, they're, they're not. On the other hand, they're not Tony Abbott figures. You know, they're not. <laughs> but they make good contributions, mm. good smart contributions, from, and from a, a perspective that's just far away enough mm. to lend value to the whole thing, um, without being, um, without this being terror and Um Competitions and awards are kind of
1: cousins in the sense that they some, they say something about the values that the um, entrants have been assessed on. And we could go, so look, we look for quality, in quotes, whatever that is, and we look for complexity. Um, what um, What about risk and innovation and experimentation, some of those things, is that something that you
4: think the awards acknowledge over other things? I think they probably acknowledge, that is the one place that they can be acknowledged. You know, if lots of people. The, the all, one, the awards are the one place where that type of experimentation yeah, can be acknowledged. That's right. right, right. I mean, it won't be. Um, it'll be kind of acknowledged in a sense in the media, but mm-hmm. in a sort of lightweight, sort of golly gee or way or or what the hell are they doing sort of way. Yeah, um, it will be acknowledged in other awards programs, perhaps that other people run, other institutions run. But I think the, that that risk factor or risk or innovation or taking a chance or getting yeah out of it should the award should be a place for that and I think that is a place for that so you will yeah. get some buildings coming through the awards that the architects on a jury say yeah we think this is great even though out there you know a lot of people might have very serious questions, or you know, it evince a lot of skepticism about that project. Why is yeah. that? Why is that thing getting an award? Yeah, you know, I mean, that's a silly thing. Mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we don't understand that. Mm. So, um, I think that is the one place. Again, this our awards program is the one place that risk or adventurism can be recognised.
1: And I guess the judges, as generally as practitioners, appreciate just the challenge in achieving, and taking that risk, well, in a way I mean, that so many other media may, may struggle to kind of I understand. Think,
4: I think they realise what a miracle it is to achieve something like that, mm. in a commercial environment that we live in, and, you know, and budgets are always tight, you know, safety is usually or you know, mm, mm. mediocrity is often a default position mm. or so things get things get smoothed down to a sort of <coughs> mediocre level.
0: I guess you've been involved in the industry and architecture longer than you've been um, travelling around with juries, but I'd be interested to know um, what your experience and I guess the feedback you get from potential lay people who are on juries um, as to... From as say an outsider looking at the industry and how they judge each other and judge each other's work, what are your reactions to that? What do you think about the ways that architects look and think and judge each other's work versus other professions or other um, arts?
4: Well I think that in any field you've got to recognise that people judging, if they're from that field, bring a level of understanding and familiarity with the language, whatever the language is, that outsiders don't have. And the problem always is trying to bridge that gap between you, the understanding and the immersion in a field that allows you to judge uh, occurrences in that field or phenomena within that field and then the ability to communicate that to people not in the field, out mm-hmm. to the outside world, to the public. And that, I mean that is a challenge for us in our awards program because as i said it is a two-phase program there's the professional side of it you know we're talking to each other and you know we in a sense you know this is this is our our thing mm. yeah cosa nostra mm. and then there's the uh <laughs> what we make of it when we send it out into the world mm. and i think that's that's something that we're kind of looking at at the moment because it's easy for it to be misunderstood in the, out in the world as a beauty contest, which is how mm. the mainstream media will treat it. They, mm. You know, especially mm-hmm. now with all the sort of online media. They just want pictures. Mm. You know, this is, it's a pretty picture thing. So to try and get a more profound understanding at a time when there's very little expertise or interest in mainstream newspapers in this field. I mean, it's they're interested in sensational tabloid aspects of it. Real estate, the real estate side of architecture. Yeah. But to, to try and talk to them about the process or how things happen when their attention span is minuscule now mm. and their resources are directed elsewhere is a challenge. Mm. So, you know, we have to try and push it out however we can through our own channels and the website that we're redeveloping, for example. Mm in our own social media communications, and perhaps in publications, you know, hard copy publications that we still do, mm. and then try and interest people. You know, you'd expect publications like Architecture New Zealand that to be interested in some sort of in-depth coverage of what we do. Um, but, its you know, it is a challenge to get this sort of stuff out there. Um, having said that, you know, we've got the raw material to do it. You know, it's a start. We, when we do have the hooks, I mean, people are interested in architecture, they do like Mm. architectural stories, they do like looking at pictures of buildings, we've just got to use that to try and shift it Mm. in perhaps a slightly more profound direction.
1: Short question, maybe big answer though, do you think architects are good at speaking about architecture?
4: Well I think some are, I think generally probably not because they're used to speaking in another language, they have their own language, right, Mm. that they work in all the time. And so you're asking them to be a bit multilingual. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Actually, um, and so but so you know some architects, probably a little bit, are very good at self-promotion about establishing. Which Which is not the same as not the same as communication. No, and it it is difficult, and I think it's difficult to connect sometimes with the powers that be in this country. You know, I think Christchurch has been an interesting. Case study, uh-huh. and uh, I think at times architects have found it difficult to get traction there or to get their voice into um, into the public arena, uh-huh. and they've got to try and find ways to do that. And when they have tried to do it, there's been you know have done it. There's been a good interested response from the public. So I think there is an appetite there yep. for the public. I think we just have to be um, quite innovative ourselves and quite responsive about how we go about addressing, you know. The well, or meeting that appetite.
0: So we've got the national awards coming up, and we're covering that in this episode. Where can listeners find out more? Where can we see these nice photos of the? award winners well of course so, they'll be on our
4: own website nza.co.nz um we will have you know we have a facebook page and we have probably twitter going around the awards they'll be in publications like architect new zealand we'll put out our own little publication that uh, we will do this year and we'll try and disseminate that widely after the awards we'll try and work with the media to get them interested in the awards the media around the country so the local media mm-hmm. so in hawke's bay if there's uh, something being mm-hmm. awarded there or South Art and Canterbury and, you know, the Herald and stuff like that. We try and interest, you know, radio, Radio New Zealand, um, vehicles like that. But, and it's, you know, what, what's interesting about this trying to get, you know, cultivate the media, it's not that straightforward because you'll find someone in one of these organisations or publications that responds. Next year they're gone. Mm-hmm. You know, even in some of that like radio New Zealand, which would ex- you'd expect to be interested in the sort of built culture of the country, they're interested in the verbal or written culture of the country. Even trying to uh, interest people as you would think as sort of switched on, as generally intelligent and as articulate as them, you realise that a lot of architecture is strange territory in design. You know, people aren't. People are still quite sceptical, even at that level, about it. But as I say, we try and cultivate these people. And it's a constant process of trying to try, you know, re-educate the next one who's on the block who's got the job now, yeah. you know, writing about this.
1: I think the whole the whole architecture media interface is a it's like it's such a fascinating topic, and you know we and I think about it all of the time that that interface. So I think there's a I personally think there's a kind of U-shaped curve, where at one end there's this. Um, great scepticism of what we do and that overlaps with the Kiwi DIY sensibility, like why would you need a professional to do something Mm. as prosaic as to build a house? Like, you know, I can just do this. And then there's this gap and then there is still, I think, this mysticism about what the architect does at the other end and there's something that people probably aren't quite good at defining or even associating with what we do as architects, but there's this idea of the architect that is, architect as stereotype, architect as Pointy-headed practitioner, architect as the brand you associate to your product to show that it has some higher quality, like the the ghastly fake architect guy on the heat pump image, oh, yes. <laughs> who is a proxy for architect. That's but exactly but how, do, <laughs> how, do we, how do we know he's an architect? We think uh, that everybody though, don't assumes we? We do think that. he's got the know, glasses. The, dress and he's the got glasses, the black but it's, it's that re- weirdly, mm. ne- a more like undefined architecty mm. image. Hmm. That isn't kind of, you know, <laughs> nudgy, tie khaki guy promoting the heat pump. It's that person looks, speaks with authority and is in black. They are an emblem of design in some way. Mm. But there's this gulf in the middle mm. where actually all architects are and all of their diversity and different attitudes and practicality. And you've got Michael Sullivan doing one thing and you've got practitioners at, at an acad- academic end. And all of that colour and shade in the middle, is, I think, is sort of there's a great vacuum there to step into.
0: That was John Walsh of the NZIA. He's obviously seen a lot of juries work, he understands the process they go through. Jeremy, you run a competition every year. Why do you do that and what do you see from your point of view?
2: Yeah, we run the home of the year competition through our magazine and we have a three person jury. I'm on that with a New Zealand architect and a visiting international architect. And I think the key is to visit the buildings Um, I don't really trust competitions that are run from judging off photographs, partly because, of course, you need to visit a building to experience it properly, but Mm. the time in between visiting those buildings um, is so full of discussion, of unpacking those buildings and comparing one against the other and Mm. people often speculate about whether different juries would get different results, and of course I think that's true, but I do think that The fact that you spend, you know, almost a week together discussing the merits of the various buildings you're visiting means that there is a kind of baseline rigour. And we've always had, with Home of the Year, a really unanimous decision. There have never been fights about who's going to win. So I sort of feel fairly confident that, apart from a couple of occasions, um, if we'd had a different jury, we would have still ended up with the same result. And it's also a real privilege, actually, to be on the road for a week and just visit buildings. It's fantastic.
0: Next we have the opportunity to talk with some of the members of the jury about their experiences seeing and judging this year's best architecture.
2: So here we are, the 76 Small Rooms team, we're with two members of the New Zealand Institute of Architects jury, Wellington Architect Sharon Jansen, and the Convener of the jury, Auckland Architect Pete Bosley. Thank you for coming on 76 Small Rooms you two. You spent how long on the road choosing all these winners?
5: We had nine
2: fabulous days. And. A lot of competitions these days are judged through photographs and through plans. Why do you think it's important to visit the projects themselves? What does that give you that drawings and photographs don't?
6: It gives you a real sense of um, how the project sits in the landscape and its sense of place. And I think that's what you go to look for, that design integrity with, with place. And it leaps up at you pretty well straight away, actually how it settles in, in the land and who it's for and the personality of the house, personality of the person within. That's what we look for. Mm. It's yeah. The spirit of the house, it's quite hard to get at. Photographs give something else. And um, and they're an important part of looking at architecture, but seeing it as
5: something completely different.
3: Were there that any is, real surprises?
5: Yeah, there always are and um, Sometimes they're pleasant surprises, sometimes they're less pleasant mm. surprises. And I think that's the thing about photographs. And there's a well known New Zealand photographer who has the byline, the photograph always lies. Um, and I think that that's, you know, we've all experienced New Zealand and overseas buildings, which when you get there and, and <laughs> experience mm. them in the round, it's not just even looking at them, it's actually experiencing them, smelling them, enjoying the space.
3: Mm.
5: And, you know, sometimes they can be severely short of what the photograph offered, Mm. sometimes they can be a hundred times better than what a photograph offered. Mm. So it's always a little bit tricky choosing which ones to shortlist just from photographs and drawings, because you can get it wrong, and I'm sure there are always buildings that are cut off the shortlist which deserve to be on, and sometimes you go to things and think, oh yes, they don't live up to their promise. But that's the system, you know, it's just an unavoidable part of the system really. And you you meet with the architects on sites. Do yep. you meet with the
0: clients as well? Sometimes it depends. Yeah. Sometimes the clients depends are there, not the always. Client. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Does that and that must give a different uh, perspective on a building as well. I mean, talking to the architect, talking with the client, and someone who lives there about why it is the way it is, or something again you don't get
5: from photos, I guess. The quality of the wine they serve is pretty important.
6: <laughs> Actually, in the case of um, the Bolo-Sullivan house, it was the smell of roasting goat that was
0: coming oh. out of the
6: house as we walked up. That was just incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: did bribery. Yeah. Yeah. Fresh baking. Yeah. It's
6: a different take on fresh baking, not Yeah, yeah, you? yeah, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> Do you have a level of consciousness when you're judging these projects about... I guess, striving for some sort of objectivity. I know when we do the Home of the Year, which has a smaller jury than um, the New Zealand Institute of Architects one, I often use this as an excuse for disgruntled <laughs> architects who feel they should have been part of it. And I say, oh, juries are totally subjective. You know, um, Each one can be different. But I think that's true, isn't it, that different personalities can lead juries in different ways? Or were you conscious of that and trying to work against it?
6: I think people have different interpretations of buildings. Um, I mean... It's really important to have that mix actually because you talk about the building and, you, and one person of the jury might raise a certain aspect of a house and, or a project and someone else will raise something else and you, so you consider it from four different minds and it's, it's really great. It's much richer.
5: And it's lovely the, um, the sort of immersion that you go through as you experience a building on day one. Mm by day nine it's been evaluated many many times mm. from many many angles mm. and often in relation to the buildings that have come subsequently and you know the buildings can start off right at the top of the list and by day nine they slip down to just below the cross-off line and otherwise others you know mm. even when, and not only th- from other people's point of view but your own pe- point of view as you gradually mull it over and think about it in relation to other things you see and, yeah, because it's some of them a, it's you a do. Process.
6: Yeah, some of them you do. You make the decision really quickly, and then some of them just sit and they kind of grow in your head, and, and the sort of understanding of them kind of filters out over time. And as you say, as you see it in relation to other projects, it's it, it's kind of
5: yeah, they they kind of flower. It's mm. really good.
2: So did you have some good arguments?
5: Yeah. Yeah, we did. <coughs> yeah, we talked, and uh, not just about um, buildings that we saw actually, but just about architecture in general. Yeah. You know? Uh, we talked about narrative and we talked mm-hmm. about generational architecture and we talked mm-hmm. about um, uh, the, the ideas in relation to the buildings that we saw mm-hmm. and what you know some people had a much stronger um, put a much stronger emphasis or value on functionalism and others you know, didn't get two hoots about functionalism <laughs> so yeah it's fantastic and you and you have this lovely time in the in the van when you're driving around mm-hmm. talking and uh, tossing ideas around and then the silence rages, and then somebody will pick up a conversation and start again. Yeah. And it's, it's. I really enjoy it as a process. You uh, must,
0: as a group, you must go through a certain yeah. journey in the discussions in the van as you move around and you you talk about these buildings and say architecture. I guess you you also go through a I guess a personal journey at the same time. Even beforehand, you're saying, okay, I'm going to be a, a juror of the national awards. What is it about architecture that's important to me, and what am I going to take to this process? Is that is it fair to say you go through I guess some reflection before and after and um,
6: any thoughts on that? I don't know if I sort of think about it beforehand but you certainly kind of end the tour knowing what you are contributing Mm -hmm. because you go in and you react a certain way to each project and, and you read it in a certain way and you talk about it in a certain way and sometimes it's literally like looking at the spaces or looking at the walls, you know, everybody has this different kind of take in mm. how they're reading the building or understanding the building mm-hmm. and so yeah when you leave you you realize the differences between you but you also realize the things that are the same between you
5: yep and it is a it is a um a diplomatic process in a way mm. you yeah, because i think it's it's interesting watching other people change around here as the tour goes on and their attitudes change and, and feeling in my case my own attitudes towards buildings changes things that i thought were important at the time became less important as we were discussing it. And you sort of pick your battles, mm. uh, and you know, sometimes you know, uh, that building building's gonna get an award come hell or high. Yeah. Mm. That's right. And so you pick your time to actually promote it, wait for the other judges' weak moments or whatever. Yeah. But That's there are other ones which I, <coughs> there are buildings that I thought, yeah, I think that should have gotten an award and maybe it didn't because well. I was the only one that felt that and the others, I think all the buildings we looked at were pretty close, you know, there was nothing that everybody said, no way, forget it, they were all sort of up there, and um, all promoted interesting discussion and Mm. and, uh, argument and debate, so that was really good, so I always feel sorry for them for not quite making it, you know, because they put just as much much effort and energy into it as the people who did make it, maybe, but it's just something about it that doesn't Mm. appeal to all four judges.
2: Mm. Each year the jury includes an overseas architect who yep. this year was Damien Eckersley from Brisbane. Yep. What perspective did he bring to it and did you see a certain freshness in the way an outsider regards New Zealand architecture that maybe
5: other jurors from New Zealand didn't have access to? Um, there's certainly a, a different viewpoint. I think having an international architect is, is really significant and helpful and, and um, does bring a different viewpoint. It's, it's not always easy to... Uh, be simpli- you don't want to be simplistic about that because there is individual, just because they're overseas doesn't mean to say they've got a unified voice from one year to the next and so each judge from overseas has his or her own viewpoint um, and I think um, Damien was um, because he's, come, he's spent a lot of time in large scale corporate architecture, he had a certain viewpoint that was probably different from somebody who'd spent their life doing houses, so it's more a difference on that level than because he comes from Australia as he gets coming from New Zealand, I think. Mm. That might be different again if he came from Belgium or South Africa or something, but there's an Australian-New Zealand kind of axis which has a lot of similarities to it, so they, they slot in fairly well, I think, the Australian judges normally.
2: And you can blame them if people don't like you
5: <laughs> <laughs> He was incredibly considerate, though. It was
6: great. He really kind of let the project sit and sort of thought about it twice and sometimes came back to it very many times, and he was, he was great.
2: Let's talk about some of the buildings that you selected. The New Zealand Architecture Medal, which is really the Supreme Award, is, goes to the Blythe Performing Arts Centre at Iona College in Hawke's Bay by Stevens Lawson Architects. What was it about that building that made it lift itself above all these other projects that it was competing with.
5: I'd have to say that probably the biggest argument or debate we had was about which building was going to get that award. So it didn't lift itself, you know, miles and miles above the others. There were three or four buildings competing pretty hard for that award, mm. which was fantastic. Mm. We were lucky this year, we had a lot of good public buildings. Mm. Yeah.
6: Um, I think in the end, we did, yeah we did have a lot of discussions about that, but It was quite brilliant in its resolution um, because they talked about the desire of it being an old-fashioned music hall because that's the woman who donated the money, um, Margaret Blythe, gave the money and said she wanted it to be a music hall. So they spent a lot of time crafting this interior space to to have that sort of quality. So they, they sort of paired it right back to this beautiful, simple space tucked all the lights away, tucked all the projectors away, and and then it worked as a theatre as well as a um, music space. It's a bit like the Music Baron in Vienna, very sort of classic with people on the sides and round the back of the stage, so it's very sort of communal. You can Mm. um, access the stage from all sort of sides. So it had this beautiful resonant sort of simplicity that seemed Mm. to be perfect for the building.
5: And and, uh, that was one of the um, dramatic things for me it was the, the way that it quite poetically went against the stream of most theatres these days which are all about flexibility and and they normally are a black box with a whole mm. lot of pipes and crap up there with mm-hmm. lights hanging from it and stuff and it had none of that. None of that, it was just it. As beautiful all and elegant. Gone white space. And
6: it was also and, asymmetric and a face which is, you sort of think mm. that's not going to work for the sort of sound and they went through this whole thing with Marshall Day about making the ver- reverberation times be adjustable, so it goes from like 0.5 to 2 seconds which is incredible with these louvers at the back and and they were very happy with the asymmetric space but and it was a main exact sort of a violin case at the same time, yeah. so yeah. it takes lots of readings, it's really lovely yeah.
0: And Christchurch has had a Strong showing, and that they've won, I think, all the named awards. Um, is that the sign of things to come down there? Do you
5: think? Great. We hope so. If everything built down there was the standard of those two, that would be fantastic.
6: Passionate, yeah. passionate owners who developed that building. Who weren't they?
5: The two well, guys. Well there are two down there? Cause
6: yeah. the, the, um, oh, I'm thinking about Shepherd and Yeah. Oh, also, you're talking
2: about the strangers in, in Glen Dilling strangers Hill building, Shepherd yeah. and
5: Yeah, and it's a, that is an inspired piece of. Um, Rebuild really because mm. it's, uh, I believe it's probably reasonable to say that it doesn't stack up on paper um, and that it's just two developers who, as Sharon said, were really passionate, they loved the city, they, lo- they want it back, and they'd gone ahead and done this anyway. And their development. they were almost the first off the blocks. Yeah. The developer mates were saying, You're mad, sit back, wait. Three months
6: That's after the earthquake, they were talking to the architects about what to do. There was no yeah. context except for this red sculpture that was twirling yeah. away on the corner.
5: And they went for it. And it's it's chocker it's and it's, you know, hopefully for them it's going it's going really well and will continue to do so. Mm-hmm. But um, it was pretty inspiring listening to them and they want to do another one, they're, in, they're on a roll. Um, so, and and their mates have all sort of come in behind them and their developer mates are saying, well oh, they're also doing their own schemes now because mm-hmm. they have got this, a bit of momentum going. So from that point of view it was really inspiring but that wouldn't have been enough to get it. Uh, a national award if the building hadn't been also um, up to scratch it mm. was making the s- ways, so much, I mean it's, it's almost like two worlds the outside building responds to its bullnose spot and with a beautiful resolution on the corner but inside it's like another planet mm. you go and it's just all full on everything's happening it's like it's a mix between a Dickensian kind of laneway and yeah. funny little places
6: strange balconies yeah. kind of poking out at weird yeah. angles and old then brick and old buildings I mean, you can't
5: tell which is the new bit which yeah. is the old bit it's pretty good
6: it's really good. lively mm. and then the three bars in it are obviously just, you know, just work together I mean they did have to put up a barrier for alcohol separation which is ridiculous but you know you really want to go in and saw that down but that's not the architecture that's just our liquor laws mm. um, but the space is fantastic in the interior
5: Eccentric, really eccentric, mm. but it's, sort of really pretty, it's quite Christchurch in there, game. Mm. It looks quite formal and simple on the outside, and what's boiling away inside is total madness, and that's my, most Christchurch people like that. <laughs> <laughs> s-
2: Broadly speaking, what did your judging experience tell you, if there are broad themes to draw from it, about New Zealand architecture, directions it's heading in, interesting developments... Is it too diverse to make those kind of calls, or were there things that particularly excited you and thought you were telling new stories about our built environment? I had questions like yeah, that. Yeah, so not <laughs> a I. I was going to let Peter answer that one. <laughs> it's a slightly naff question in some ways, but yeah. sometimes the answers to these things can be interesting.
6: Oh, I don't know. There's, a, I mean, both. The, you know, just the two buildings we were talking about took 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 great risks. I thought, which was great. Um, and I think there's still that kind of quality of, like, let's try something and, and see, you know, not necessarily copy something that we know will work. So, you know, this was a glasshouse system that he took and he made into a beautiful building. Um, and it's very simply done. It's, you know, budget-wise. This is the Botanic Gardens. This is Botanic Gardens, mm-hmm. yeah. So incredibly clever solution with a simple sort of structural System that already existed, and then the strangers in Glendining as well. That's that's kind of that was like, okay, I'm going to make a lane. You know, you don't usually get to make streets in your projects or, spa, you know, little plazas if you want to call it that. So, mm-hmm. so I like that sort of experimentality and guts. And
3: um, you also had four winners in the Enduring Architectural Award. Was three, three, three. three. Sorry. we broke the rules there. <laughs> yeah, we did. We
6: did, we
3: did. <laughs> Much to (laughs) Daroni's (laughs) disgruntledness. Better read that. What were the qualities that set these buildings apart? Or what made them relevant now, you know, today? Breaking the rules. Yeah, breaking the rules.
6: Oh, two great houses and a fantastic school. That Mm. was the first open plan school in New Zealand. I mean, I think what was really interesting about the school was... Everything the two old guys were talking about, I can't remember their names right now, but um, it's in there. <laughs> Everything they were talking about is exactly what modern learning environments, which is now called something else, is trying to do in modern schools. So to make spaces that can be flexible, so you can either have breakaway classrooms or you can have classrooms that all join together, or you can and you can modify the school over time. And that, that school needs a bit of love and attention now, but the design integrity of that is amazing, and it has lasted years, mm.
3: 1960
6: was it? This is it? 1968. The Deanwell School mm. the Deanwell in South Auckland, School. and the two houses were just fantastic. Mm. I mean, one of them is built in a particular time in the 1980s. It's kind of you know, it was a radical building at the time. It took a lot of attention, but it stood up really well. This is Auckland's Gibbs House. That's yeah. the Gibbs House, and then and then it was it was a real honour to go to the Coleraine House, or that I know it as the Buck House. Um, because it's such beautiful spaces, um, so rich and so full of life and so designed for that person. And again, it's, it's a house that you just can't ignore in the mm. New Zealand landscape.
3: Um, I have a postcard picture in my head. Yeah, yeah. You know, Everybody, <laughs> does. Everybody <laughs> does. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and
6: wow, they were both amazing. Mm-hmm. There was no way we could not give both of those
3: houses in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And but, um, they, in,
5: in those, all three of those cases, it was great because the clients were there. Right, Um, and they were quite different experiences. But we were able to talk to the clients about the value of their houses, you know, for them as well as for the architectural debate. Mm. And um, it was very pleasing that in the case of the two houses, the the clients were um, happy to understand that and to um, not rip into the houses with gay abandon and destroy the qualities that they that uh, makes them so great. Mm.
0: Mm.
5: It's a, a real test, isn't it? <clears throat> I think all of those three
6: buildings are spatially really rich and really complex, mm. and that's what's made them enduring. Mm.
3: Mm. I noticed it's that um, there are a number of winners in the education sector. <laughs> Four, in fact. I think we broke the rules on that one, yeah. too, didn't we? We did, too. I mean that's quite exciting. Yeah, for, it was really for New Zealand education. general, is, don't you think? Yeah, hmm.
6: it was. The Avondale College by Jasmax completely surprised us because actually, what they did, they took us in the back door, which is a classic thing that you shouldn't do with juries, by the way. <laughs> it's so funny. So we went through the back way, through past the admin and the toilets, and round the back, and we were all sort of wondering what's going on and they were telling us about these old buildings that were done by someone else who were part of the history of the site and the swallows flying and, and then all of a sudden we sort of did this big circle and came right round into this great room and the bell rang, the lunchtime bell rang and the kids came out and sort of inhabited all the balustrades and kind of ran down all of the beautifully placed stairs which put them all in exactly the right place and the room... Actually, had these giant fire doors, like like what do you call fire station doors that opened up. So it was actually the front of the school. Mm. So when you when you come to the school, you open, you go through these fire doors, fire station doors, and you're right in the heart of the school, and that's where the kids are, and that's where the classrooms are. It was fantastic.
5: Mm, it was brought the place to life. When we walked around, it was it was elegant and it was funky and eccentric mm. and everything, but waiting. Mm. Mm. And then suddenly, it as all made Sharon sense. said, it, it all made sense because just people appeared from all over the place mm. and they nestled into little spots under staircases mm. to have their lunch and to chat and they were all sort of jostling with each other and it was fantastic. And yeah. the same thing with the um, school in Hamilton. We happened to be there at lunchtime too and mm. it, was, it was all little tots. But they all came roaring out and sat down and had their lunch and filled, oh, it, yeah, filled the place yeah. up. And, and uh, yeah. that, was, that was also really exciting.
1: That was Matt Tarsh and Jeremy talking to Sharon Jansen and Pete Bosley, two of this year's jurors. Both interviews in this episode left us with a lot to discuss.
2: Mm, It's great to be on a jury, but I wonder how you all feel about being judged as architects.
1: Well, I think what would the I mean, what is the alternative? You 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 throw yourself to the mercy of um, of that process, and and you know the the eminent people who are selected to make those calls and you'll always disagree if your building isn't awarded. Yeah. <laughs> but but what this this reveals the this reveals the amount of discussion that goes on, the way that the view evolves and is refined through the process. And, and we were, you know, the reason I was kind of asking about that final comment from from Sharon is that it's illustrative of the probably the commitment to the process and the the open-mindedness that's brought to the discussion of the different buildings. So to be able to come out and go my Ideology, or my viewpoint, or my thoughts about architecture were more were crystallised or influenced in some way by what I've seen. Shows that it's being taken seriously. Um, that's all you can really ask. I, I would say.
2: Mm.
1: I mean, we we were just sort of saying uh, perhaps the judging process a bit like Tasha and I. We've all done a bit of teaching actually, and nothing nothing more. Uh, Nothing better informs and solidifies your your ideology and ideas about architecture than trying to articulate them to other people Mm. and talk about them and teach them and pass them on. So I've always long said that I learnt far more by teaching than by learning. And that's part of that process of um, hashing around the idea, keeping an open mind to it. So that external judge perspective to come in and find her... Own thoughts about influence, but also probably to learn a lot about the practice and discussion of New Zealand architecture, mm. and that probably went both ways, I'm sure. Mm.
3: Well, I think also when you're um, involved in practice, I mean you're right at the coal face, and it's it's probably really refreshing to have the opportunity to step back and look at architecture objectively, and architecture in your your country. I mean, I I'd love to be involved in that kind mm. of thing, and it'd be mm. amazing. And mm. I think as you said, teaching. Um, helps you to do the same thing.
2: I think it's also important having that international perspective because it means Mm. when we get a visitor from overseas, they're coming to see all these buildings without usually any prior knowledge of an architect's previous work, Um, they're not influenced by perhaps previous wins and other award um, programs or previous buildings that might have been a bit disastrous. Mm. They're, They're approaching it with a really clean mind. Um, and being out of context is really useful in that sense yeah. I
3: think oh. I mean it's kind of interesting your competition because um, you talk about the importance of going and visiting the buildings but also at the end of the day it is actually about getting the photograph for your publication
2: Yeah and we've luckily we've never had a situation where we've always managed to photograph the winning building in a way that makes it look like the winning building mm. and I guess there have been moments, but I can't remember specific ones, on the road where, you know, the jury's heading in a particular direction and I'm thinking, how will we present this in the magazine? Mm. Um, For example, in 2014, the Two Little Black Cabins by Nat Cheshire Mm. won the Home of the Year Award. And I didn't have any qualms about them myself and the jury was very clear that that was the winning project. But here within the building... Um, There were a couple of people who, you know, sign off our covers and things like that. And they said, what are you doing? You know, this is a magazine for kind of affluent people. And, you know, my woodshed looks better than these little houses. (laughs) I don't understand them. This is crazy. And that was one of the best-selling Home of the Year issues we've had Mm. because... Everybody had an opinions about those cabins, an opinion about those cabins. A lot of people despised them, um, and uh, the discussion really kicked off online. But that interestingly really seemed to help sales of the magazine because people wanted to see what the fuss was about. Mm. Um, so we always feel it's kind of even more successful if we're able to stimulate a conversation about architecture with the award. But that doesn't mean we try and. Um, we judge with that in mind I suppose. Yeah, That's yeah. a happy yeah, yeah. outcome
1: yeah. Yeah. And It comes down to these, So what are you looking for In that assessment yeah, If it's, it's so that it's not The one that will make The kind of snappiest photograph
2: mm. That's right And we've never had Written criteria actually We don't have a form That we give to judges Saying a, a winning home Must or be this yep. Or mm. a waiting It's just mm. choosing The best project That succeeds You know every project Sets its own aims And it's judging it on how it succeeds according to those aims. And I suppose there's sometimes a zeitgeisty element to it, yeah. where you feel a building is kind of communicating something about future possibilities of architecture Yeah, that is resonant.
3: And I think that's actually one of the um, uh, things John Walsh, Walsh uh, touched on, was that... The NZIA Awards are a snapshot really of where New Zealand architecture is at at this point in time, and I think that comment at this point in time is, is so mm-hmm. pertinent. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking just before, I think you are out, out um, about uh, you know that idea that it's a reflection of, of some of those other elements that influence architecture, the socio-economic and political um, uh, aspects, and particularly some of Pete's comments about um, education and um, that light, I think, are really interesting.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, Will we see uh, as strong a um, representation of education um, uh, buildings in the f- in future?
1: Uh, or, or the Christchurch earthquake exactly. and the aesthetic and engineering mm-hmm. choices that are driving a lot of the architecture yeah. presently?
3: Anybody want to take a punt on uh, what we might see more of in, in coming awards? houses? Yeah, I, I think multi-multi unit um, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, buildings. Multi- yeah, okay. Yep. I mean, there's a lot coming through in um, Auckland, mm-hmm. but also uh, I'd question dirt, I question how much
0: of that's award winning.
3: Well, yeah, that's that's true.
0: Yeah, but it, it will become a larger part of the industry. It'll be a large yeah, part mm-hmm. of what we, what we spend our time designing. So mm-hmm. it, will, it will there'll be more of it, and more than firms will a great number of firms will um, be doing it, and um, Yeah, will housing, multi-unit housing and um, high-density living will become a larger and larger part. Mm. But I guess my my point is actually houses, I think, that probably as people have more money to spend again, um, they'll become a a bigger part of what we see.
1: Yeah, I I think I'd, I'd come back to the Christchurch thing. I think if you look at the three Vitruvian... Principles, firmness, and commodity are definitely in the front seat. Mm. And I'd like to see delight come forward yes. yep. in the design. Yep. Nailed it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
0: <laughs> That's all for episode 5 of 76 Small Rooms. Stay in touch with us through Twitter and Facebook. And we'll look forward to bringing you our next episode, which we're already working on. You can also see more of this year's award winners on the NZIO website, their Facebook page, and through some of their publications, including Architects New Zealand. So from me, Matt Brown, my fellow podcasters, Arch, Tash, and Jeremy, thanks for listening.